Hey guys, welcome to What's It Like podcast with Stacy and Emily. I'm Stacy and I'm Emily. Hey, today we're telling some adoption stories. Yes. So several years ago, actually, when we were in the process of adopting our son, Olivier, Lauren, my husband works with a guy, Dr. Jeff Goldman at Aurora. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Goldman is not only adopted, but also has adoption kids. And Lauren came home amazed at the Mm -hmm. stories Dr. Goldman was able to tell him, his passion for adoption. I mean, this man is brilliant. Yeah. He tells super detailed, specific, interesting stories. He remembers so much about his adoption story, his life, his kid's life. It's fascinating. Emily and I spoke to him for probably the better part of two hours. And so we've had to um, edit the podcast to keep it relevant to one subject, but I swear we could have listened to him all afternoon. Yeah, you can just tell he's wicked smart by the way he tells stories. For sure. And actually, it was really fun. We were like, a whole nother podcast we could have had is about his what he does as a doctor. He's oh my telling gosh, yeah. He's telling yes. us how he does poop transplants. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Something I've never heard of before. Sadly, we don't talk about poop transplants on this uh, podcast. No. But Dr. Goldman shares a bunch of his personal adoption story. Yes. And then he has adopted four kids of his own. That's right. And Stacy and I decided it would be fun to share some of our adoption story with it. So you'll yeah. hear a little bit of Dr. Goldman. We'll pop in and share a little bit of our stories about our sons. That's Back right. to Dr. Goldman. And then we highlight uh, essentially two stories of two of his kiddos, but we want to mention he loves his four kiddos a ton and is very proud of all four of them. Absolutely. And all four kids have unique stories, adoption stories. The, like Emily said, the oldest first and second child that they adopted um, are the stories that we're focusing on today. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just appreciated Dr. Goldman's time so much. We hope you guys love this story and we hope um, that it just opens your eyes to the beauty of adoption because it's really an amazing thing. Yeah. So we'll jump right in. You'll hear that we've already started the conversation and you'll just hear Dr. Goldman telling us his story. And um, But it but it turned out I was um, I was told by my adopted parents from a very young age that I was adopted. Yeah. They used to read me stories about adoption and, and so on. So it was something very natural that I grew up with. Which wasn't the necessarily the common practice at that time. That, that is true. And, and so, so you I've, don't remember feeling as like a youth, feeling like that was a bad thing or a negative thing or strange? No, I, I never, I've never really thought all that much about it. But I, I don't know. I've sort of maybe it was something special. And they actually sort of made it wow. sort of like yeah, you're 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 unique, you're, you're unique and you're you're special, special and and absolutely. you were you were very much wanted. Yes. And my adoptive parents um, were um, they had been married for five years. They were married um, while they were in the service in the Philippines and and at New, stationed in New Guinea at, mm-hmm. in 1945, and um, and then they you know, couldn't conceive for over five years. And, yeah. and so they thought adoption was a good thing. My yeah. father at the time was a, uh, was a pharmacist. He had graduated from pharmacy school and then he was like a drug detail salesperson and he would huh. make rounds at doctor's offices. And then, um, he knew this, uh, obstetrician gynecologist who actually was the one who delivered my birth mother. Okay. And then he subsequently, uh, was the, um, obstetrician gynecologist for my adoptive, actually my adoptive mother and, and a subsequent mother. And, um, and then also my sisters too. So he was sort of the, the, the family, you know, OBGYN kind yeah. of person as and well. And from, from our first conversation, am I correct in thinking that he is the one who let your adoptive parents know that there was this 
young 19-year-old yes. who wanted to give her baby up for adoption. Yes. Okay, so he was the connection. He got in so touch he with was the, he was the connection. Um, there was actually, it was interesting, my father, my adoptive father told me that this doctor actually had a choice of two babies. So he had a choice of me, who was hmm. the sick kid, Okay. And he gave that to my father. He's wow. like, well, you got to take a chance. This kid's sick, but mm. you know, you might make it. Yeah. And there was a healthy baby boy and he took the healthy one. Oh, <laughs> interesting. So I don't, I don't know what happened to him, yes. but so did your adoptive parents know about your existence before you were born or not until after you were that, born? That I don't, I'm not sure if I ever knew that, okay. you know, but, I, but I think, uh, I think it was just after I was delivered. You know, okay. kind of thing, and then, um, and then my birth mother, who had a congenital heart problem, and she delivered at age nineteen, but this is from birth. Yeah, and she actually had a, a younger sister who also had a congenital heart problem. Okay, and my birth mother died nine months later after giving birth from hmm. complications of her congenital heart disease. Probably would have been curable and treatable, easily treatable in, in today's world. Sure, oh. you know, so, is that a um, piece of why she gave you up? Do you know? Well, I think she she had been told at a at a um, at an earlier age that she should probably have never gotten pregnant, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. so on, and and um, and she she probably unfortunately probably knew that you know she was too ill to care yeah. for a child, mm-hmm. and she um, and she wasn't married at the time either, yeah. so that would have um, been a very hard situation. Yeah, yeah. So she was um, dating this uh, doctor at the time. His first okay. name was David, and then Doctor David was in practice with his uncle his name was first name was lewis mm-hmm. the birth name she gave me was david lewis then wow. she used her last name okay um and then i got my original birth certificate later yeah and and then she added a junior to that i don't i don't know why but okay. i'd have to ask her um and um so um but it was almost like she was leaving a roadmap, you know to yeah and and, and so my adopted parents knew a little bit about her because they you learn that through DCFNS, and um, so she was supposedly uh, artistic. Okay. Um, she um, and uh, was um, she had this congenital heart problem. Right. Yeah. And um, then they also told me that this my birth father was a physician, was a doctor, and he had died in a car accident. Okay. So, which would sort of so if she had died and he had died. There's yeah. no reason for the you to look for anybody, cold. right? Yeah. yeah. So you're, so you're as a kid not dreaming the same way because you just know you'll never be able to find your birth parents. Right. And... Yeah. There's no illusions or, you know, yeah. um, thinking that, oh, I'm going to go find my, you know, right. birth parents, right. you know, that that type of thing. All right. Stacey, isn't it interesting how every adoption story is just a little bit different? I think that's the coolest part about this interview so far is just thinking the difference between Dr. Goldman's story, yes. our personal stories. Absolutely. Friends of ours. Well, he was adopted so long ago. Yeah. Um, totally different generation, different era when adoption wasn't nearly as common, wasn't nearly as talked about yeah. and celebrated. Totally. So I actually think it's pretty remarkable that his parents, his adoptive mom and dad were so mm-hmm. open yeah. about the fact that he was adopted. I remember my parents telling me when my, my siblings were little that there was were people out there that tried to pretend like their kids weren't adopted. Now, hmm. it's not as easy when your kids have different skin tone than you, right. but I feel like Dr. Goldman's parents in that day and age really easily could have just never told him he was adopted. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And I think I can understand, I can relate as adoptive mother a little bit about how do you decide when is the right time oh, to sure. share that information, mm-hmm. but much like 
Josiah's case, your son, and Olivier's case, my son, they look different than the rest right. of their family. So that's the conversation we're having early on. Yeah. And along those lines, what's Josiah's story? Like, what was his birth story? And what do you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you're saying, when do you tell things? Because there's a piece of Sai's story that I like, I'm really proud of and I love. And there's a piece that I don't. Mm-hmm. And it was, it has been hard for us to figure out when and what to tell him. Yes. So uh, he's adopted from Guatemala. And it, at the time, actually, Guatemalan adoptions are shut down now. But okay. at the time, there was sort of the rule was, um, like there had to be no dad involved in order for a woman to hmm. be able to give up their kid for adoption. At least that was my understanding. Okay. Um, and so when we first got Josiah's referral, which is the, they give you a picture and information about a kid and you can decide yes or no. Okay. Um, was that the same in Haiti? Similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got this uh, picture and uh, information about him. And w- essentially we found out his birth mom was essentially homeless. She sometimes lived with her parents, sometimes didn't. Um, And the dad was unknown is what the information we got. Okay. So we accepted Josiah's referral, fell in love with him. He was about a week old Mm. and we fell in love with him and committed to having him as be our son. Okay. And then um, it still took uh, almost a year and a half before we were able to get him. And did you see him at all during that time frame? No, we could have gone and visited, but we cannot afford to go and visit. So we, uh, we got pictures every month, updates. Okay. And just, he had to doc- have a doctor's appointment every month. Oh. And uh, so Guatemala, in order to like not promote corruption, adoption corruption and mm-hmm. stealing babies, uh, their birth moms had to come in for two different times of a DNA test to prove that the child they were giving up for adoption was actually their own. Okay. So apparently in Central South America, there had been years of baby stealing. Oh, no. And selling kids on the black market, which... Oh, my goodness. I know. Stuff I had no idea before that. Right. Yeah. Um, So the solution at that time was two different DNA tests just to prove the mom was actually the mom. Okay. And so we have a really special picture I requested a picture of her when she came in for her second DNA test um and she took a picture with Josiah on her lap and so we have this really beautiful picture oh that is neat we call her mommy Rosario and it's just it's a really sweet picture so she actually gave him up at the hospital okay anyway so we have that cool picture she came in but he was in foster care for a year and a half before we picked him up okay so then when we picked him up we got uh, all this paperwork. Okay. And she actually gave us some inf- more information than the original. She didn't know who the father was. Oh. So it turns out, I, th- I think that they were having an affair. He was married. Oh, and wow. had a different um, family. And then when she said she was adopted, he he cut off that relationship. And she had no way to I mean, to when she said she was pregnant. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not adopted. <laughs> she said she was pregnant. Uh, so she cut off. He cut off the relationship. And she could not, just couldn't provide for Josiah. Doing it on her own. Yeah. yeah. She actually had another son already that they were pretty much living on the street. Okay. So she wrote this beautiful, I mean, beautiful letter about her love for Josiah and how... That's amazing. Her, She knew she had nothing to give him. And so her greatest thing she could give him was a chance with mm. the family. Okay. Um, love that. Lo- it was beautiful. But the, I almost wished we didn't have the information about his birth dad. Yeah. I just felt like it'd be so better to be like... I don't know. I get it. We've struggled. Yeah. To sometimes have no way of knowing could be a gift if the reality isn't pretty. Yeah. And I just thought, I don't want to tell my son this hard Mm -hmm. piece of information. Um, So we didn't for a long time. We waited till the last couple of years when he was a little older to 
to give him pieces of, of that story. So you have, far he's handled it okay, but... You yeah. have a lot more information than we do okay. about Olivier. Yep. So our story is different. In Haiti, often, I think the majority of the time, it's um, not a true orphan where both parents are mm. deceased. It's usually a relinquishment. So that was similar to Guatemala, yeah. where one parent, the mom usually deems that she can't care for this child. So oftentimes she'll give one or two away or she mm. will choose the youngest or the something like that. So it's heartbreaking wow. because yeah. there are these moms who come in. In fact, when Lauren and I were there visiting Oli one time, a mother had just brought in while we were there, two of her children, I think she had three or four still that she kept oh my word. and she just literally couldn't afford to care for those other two. So she had to choose two. Ch- I mean, it's just heartbreaking oh. and I wish it never had to happen. Oh, I can't, I like, I it's can't awful. even actually wrap my head around that. Yeah. So Oli, we don't know really a lot about, we okay. know, we, he's considered an abandoned child okay. in Haiti. So he has no, there's no record of a birth mom, no record of a birth dad. Was he found? He was what we assume, and all the documents, of course, are written in French, but mm-hmm. from what we were told just in conversation with the orphanage directors is that he, I believe, was officially documented either at a Haitian hospital or at Haitian social services. Okay. So that's where his trail starts. So he's been in an orphanage his whole life. Okay. He was in one... Oh, as a baby, he was in an orphanage. As a baby. Wow. So... um I think his trail starts, yeah, with the documentation of the government finally saying, okay, you're a ward of the state. He was in one orphanage for two years, and then that was closed down hmm. by Haitian authorities, which... Oh, geez. That's not saying much, because it's not like Haitian orphanages are amazing. They're The one he ended up at that we were working with is amazing, okay. and they do a really great job caring for the children and they have an awesome heart behind it all and they do really amazing things in the country. But so then we were matched with Oli when he was two and a half and he had come to the orphanage we were working with through our adoption agency here locally. And we got matched with him. Same thing. We were given a picture. We were given a brief history of his medical status. He was a boy, two and a half. I just remember those first pictures, right? His eyes, like giant giant eyeballs. Yes. So cute. He was so cute. And I remember being in the car with my Mm mother-in-law and um, her mom and dad, they were visiting and I got the call that you're matched and I'm can't even, I'm driving and tears are streaming down my face, down my mother-in-law Nancy's face. And then we get home to see the picture a little later. Mm -hmm. And it's just so surreal thinking of that. But I, um, in terms of what Oli knows at this age, he's seven we've never discussed abandonment. We've not touched yeah. on that piece. And that's a piece that I, I kind of dread that conversation because I just mm-hmm. don't ever want him to feel like yeah. he was unloved. Yeah. But I also don't want to romanticize or glorify sure. the situation because he does, he does have the chance of, I mean, there is someone out there that he could attach to, right? Yeah. In his right. mind mm-hmm. of, oh, maybe I have a birth mom who still really wants me. But in any case, I think... Um, I think we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. What he knows at this point is that he had a birth mommy who mm-hmm. knew that she couldn't take care of him. Yeah. And she knew that he'd have a better life if she let somebody else take care of him. Yeah. And so that's kind of what he knows at this point. Which is, 
which is great because that's probably the case. And I hope so. I, hope I like so. to think that. And and th- that's where I go back to. Sometimes it's better not knowing because you can, right. in your mind, you can, I don't want to say twist the story, but you can, I think we can plant a seed of mm-hmm. hope in his heart that there is a woman who made a really selfless, kind choice Absolutely. for his welfare. And I, I actually don't think that's twisting the story. I just don't think there's hardly anybody on the planet that is that wouldn't be the hardest decision right. to do. Yeah. And so I think that it's no matter if you, he'll never know the true story, but I think right. he can know that he was loved enough that yes. she gave him a chance. Yes. And I, I think agree. that's a really beautiful thing. I think that's the, the, the beauty of that story. Right. Yep. And I think it depends personality too. Like I just, it made me think of a couple of years ago, my kids were fighting over who was my favorite. Yeah. And I tell them all the time, you know, you're my favorite. No, you're my favorite. Yes. I Whatever. do the same. <laughs> and Josiah very clearly to all the rest of the kids goes, well, obviously I'm the favorite because she chose me. I love she that. She didn't choose you guys. She chose me. And I was I like, that. oh, that's awesome. I think it's in his heart that he has been chosen by us yes. and was loved by his birth mom yes. enough. So we'll jump back into Dr. Goldman's story. The cool part about his adoption story is it didn't end with his adoption. He continued it with adopting his kiddos. So we're going to jump back into that now. Okay, perfect. We had some friends who, as we talked about adoption, Mm -hmm. who knew a couple who sort of made giving up their children um, sort of like a job. That was, that's what they did. And, Hmm. um, and so, and oftentimes in the Chicago area. So, they contacted this couple. They sort of said, okay, come on up here. And, and so um, they met them at a restaurant. And our son was two months old. Two, uh, two, excuse me, two weeks old. Two weeks, two old. weeks wow. old. And um, and then he, they brought him over to our house on Father's Day. So it was, wow. it was like 10 o'clock at night on, on Father's Day. So the strange couple walks into your home and hands you your son. Well, the, this, the couple, the, the, this couple... Um, actually met our friends, our friends okay. at a restaurant. Oh, got it. Surrendered him, got and then their it. friends brought him in. So, okay. so we never met these people. We we kind of knew who they were. We knew okay. their names and yeah. everything else like that. We actually had um, paid for their airline tickets to come up to Chicago. Okay. And then um, a day or so later, we took him to court. You know, and mm-hmm. so we met the lawyer, um, the attorney that we had. Um, found almost by, I don't know, by happenstance or something. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then he goes in, talks to the judge. They were going to finalize everything. At the same time, the couple are interviewing with the Department of Children and Family Services. They asked the husband, where are you, where are you going? What are you going to do um, after um, after this adoption is done? He said, oh, I'm going to go back to my job in Florida. So, um, And so that was the wrong answer. And oh, no. so they they found out that basically they broke the rules by leaving Florida without surrendering him oh, legally. Mm-hmm. And then they came to Chicago illegally with illegally with, with a child. Yes. You can't be transporting. So, so all these adoption laws were broken. So, um, and, and you're then, just naive to this. You have no idea. Yeah. We had, we had no idea about these oh, laws or anything. Um, and then it turned out our, this, this first attorney was, um, under suspicion by the Department of Children and Family Services for brokering, oh, gosh. You know, like ad- adoptions, baby selling, and all hmm. kinds of stuff. So he just, you know, his, his reputation was tainted. Mm-hmm. And so when we found out about that, apparently the the head of Department of Children and Family Services talked to us, told my wife that you got to you got to send him back, our son back. Oh, um, oh. And so she was obviously hysterical. Yeah. And um, and then after a lot of 
phone calls and talking to people. I got referred to this um, attorney uh, who had actually been instrumental in writing some of these adoption laws okay. and oh, wow. adopted four of his own children. Okay. And, so um, he was an advocate for yeah, you. Yeah, he one. was an advocate for us. And um, and then so he helped us through all this and was very, very supportive. And and then he eventually got us through this. And then we, we had to kind of support this couple you know, while they were here because they couldn't go back. And Yeah, and you said that was eight or nine months that this couple yeah. from Florida lived in Illinois. In, uh, in Illinois. And, and then, you so we supported had a, them yeah, while support. these proceedings took place. Yeah, Did you get place. to know them at all? Did you spend time no, with them? No, we, we didn't. Am I, um, um, you know, and then my wife actually, um, they were they were living with, somebody and my wife they, they this um birth mom wanted a new pair of jeans or something my wife went and bought her a new pair of jeans and oh, brought it or you okay, know stuff like it. that so you know they it was you know I mean, we would have done anything to yeah you know to have a child by this sure. time child. this is your son yeah yeah and right. um but eventually this lawyer got us to court and then we actually mm. um were able to to finalize the adoption and my um my wife showed the judge some some pictures at the time, you know, pre-cell phone pictures and yep. everything, and kind of broke the ice. Of and, your son, and, so he yeah, and in. he was um, the judge was all smiles and Aww. you know, oh, we're gonna we'll sign off. This is sure. great. Congratulations and everything. Isn't that amazing yeah. what you'll do? So our son is from Guatemala and he was still he was ours. We had gotten the referral and and accepted him as our child, but it still took another year before we could bring him home. Wow. And in the meantime, Guatemala changed some laws. And so there was a season where we weren't sure that we would actually get him home. And it was like, no, like that's our son. My husband was like, how are we going to get a helicopter and sneak into Guatemala to steal our child out? You know, it's like we wouldn't have been able to do that, but there's something interesting that happens in that quick of time. Like you had him for two days and your wife was like, Oh no, he's my son. Like he will not be going anywhere. Right. That's right. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it's just like nine tenths uh, in the law is like you know possession, you know, yep, so right. that kind well, of thing. You and your wife have adopted four children. You shared with Emma Correct. and I, and two of them are open adoptions. And so, yes. is this particular is, was your first son an open adoption? Was there contact with birth parents after um, that? We well, it was sort of only indirect contact, okay. but they, you know, so they probably knew who we were and everything sure. else like that. But we never met them face to face. Okay, okay. and um, you didn't form some sort of long relationship. Yeah, I mean, our our lawyer told us just to stay as far away from these people and then as possible, and yeah. not mm-hmm. to not to adopt any more children from them. Yes. And, you know, so we we respected that, and mm-hmm. and then ultimately, our son never really wanted to know any details or okay. anything like that. He and to this day he's still not and he's he's living in Florida now, so he could he so could he probably could look find them up somebody if they're there. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Well, so So Emily, crazy story about his son in this domestic adoption. I mean, things just do not go down like that in this day and age. Oh, it seems like it's not even real to me. Right. But I I know there's rules and laws because of situations like that. Yeah, totally. And at the end of the day, they have this amazing son who they love, which totally. is the best part of the, that part, piece of the story. Um, Dr. Goldman then continues to talk a little bit about his their second adoption, mm-hmm. which was their daughter Marina from Korea. And this was an interesting situation because both of her parents were married and doing well. Um, they already had a daughter who was a couple years older mm-hmm. than Marina. And at that time in Korea, and I've heard that it could still be a little bit like this in some Asian countries. Oh, um, for sure. Okay. They needed, they wanted a son because the son is the one who's going to grow up and take care of them mm-hmm. as the parents, as they age. And so 
the mom had Marina and had been nursing her for four days and caring for her and loving this child when um, I believe it was her husband who basically said, you have to give this child away because there was, I think, a two-child limit to each family and they had to have a son. And so she, despite not wanting to and despite protesting, was forced to bring her daughter to an agency and put her up for adoption. Unreal. It's crazy. Yes. I can't even... I cannot wrap my head around that actually. No, I know. I just, the, the trauma that that mm-hmm. mom must have felt, mm-hmm. but there's a beautiful piece to the story that Dr. Goldman's about to share where, um, they, as uh, Marina gets a little older, they reconnect with the birth mom. So take a listen. About five or six years old. Um, so we get this newsletter from Holt and they, and these birth parents were coming to the agency, you know, wanting to know their whereabouts of their children, what okay. was going on. And, um, and I know the birth mom, you know, came to the agency and so they wanted us to send pictures and so on. So we sent letters and pictures. Our, um, next door neighbor, um, was, was Korean. In fact, our, the grade school in this district was 20% Asian, mostly Korean. Oh. So, so we oh, intentionally awesome. chose this, okay. yeah. you know, that school district in, in the Northern suburbs of Chicago, um, because then we didn't want them necessarily to stand out and, yeah. absolutely. and, and so, um, um, this, uh, the mom next door is, so they had three daughters okay. who became my daughter's friends, they were okay. my best friends and so on. And so she translated our letters and, and oh, so that's on. Oh, cool. that's so neat. And which cool was connection. really neat. And then, um, th- then the birth mom relates, related a story later on that she actually went to the agency, wanted to know about her, you know, daughter, the yeah. whereabouts and this, and, the, and, the, and there was a folder there with the records mm-hmm. and stuff. And um, the social worker sort of passed the folder. She said, you know what, I'm going to step out for a couple of minutes. And so almost sort of gave the birth yeah. mom permission. She goes over and opens the folder. And there's some pictures that we sent yeah. of our, our mutual daughter. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So she got to see she was, you know, well cared for and yeah. so on. And then um, they, um, you know, wanted to, you know, to know more. So they sent more things and, you know, letters and yeah. communication. And then our, um, um, daughter. So we said, you know, and then the, the, the letters were coming back and forth from the, the birth family. So I, we asked my daughter said she was only about seven or she might, it might've been nine at the time. Okay. We asked her, would you be interested in meeting your birth family? Yeah. And she said, Oh yeah. Yeah. I would like that. So we, so you wow. and your wife were, I have to just stop you for a second. You mm-hmm. and your wife didn't even pause like you it never occurred to you to feel threatened by that or insecure about that and I love that you just said our mutual daughter like it just sounds like from the get-go you guys had this heart of she's our daughter but we are oh but she cut she came from this other couple this other family that's what I love about and and we also Mm -hmm. wanted to her to know her Korean culture and Mm -hmm. so on and and um so she you know, grew up with a lot of things. So we, you know, there were a lot of Korean restaurants, there was Korean grocery stores in yeah. Glenview where we lived. And, um, and then when she was like a year old, you do just to backtrack for a second, you do this, you know, um, when they have their first birthday, you dress them in the hanbok yeah. to, to do that. Yeah, and, um, and you give them, you put the, um, in front of them, you put some, I think some food like sp- spaghetti or something. You put like a book, like a pen or some different, some money, things mm-hmm. like that. And you see what they choose. And that's supposed to foretell their future. Oh, maybe their profession. That's fascinating. Did it, yeah. So she, she took, she took the, the book and some money. So, okay. you know, what does she do now? 
Um, well, she's a teacher now. Okay, um, cool. So, that works um, together. <laughs> and, um, and and obviously, you know, very smart and was always a good good student and yeah. everything. So we um, sent letters, and I had a sort of guarantee that that these people weren't going to become like wards of the state or something. And so I had a yeah. you know, guarantee that I was going to take care of these people, and we were going to you know support them while they were here. And oh. we brought them over, and they stayed with us for about six weeks. Oh, wow. Okay, so, and your so daughter we, at the time was nine. Yeah, was nine, and her Annie was about 11. And wow. so they came in at O'Hare. And Annie so is sister? His, uh, older, older sister. sister. Older sister, okay. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, her, her actual name was Yunja, E-U-N-J-A, Yunja. And so they could come out. After they've cleared like customs or something, yeah. and they come out, and we, so we see them, we wave to them. Of course, the birth mother is just oh, you know, is she crying. crying. She was like crying for the next week. Okay, yeah. and I mean, is your is... daughter? Is she like this person's? Was your daughter prepared and ready to give a hug and to be like that? Um, or yeah, was I think it... she, I think she was. But interestingly, the first person who came over to our daughter uh, was her older sister, her Ani, oh, okay. and she takes her by the hand, and then. You start, you know, walking so oh. right away, and and so that's cool. Um, so we they didn't speak a word of English. Yes, oh. I was wondering. We didn't, you know, yeah. other than Anya, I say, oh, we didn't yeah. speak a lot of um, Korean either. Right. Um, so and then so we took them in their car, and then our next door neighbors, you know, the Korean yeah. family, they invited us all over for dinner. Okay. So interesting. There was a. I don't know how they got wind of it, but there was a reporter from the Korean Times newspaper, their ethnic newspaper in Chicago, yes. who got wind of this thing. But the you know the birth family, it's, it was sort of shameful because oh, they had sure. told their village that she had died. Oh, okay. wow. So they didn't want this getting back to yeah. other people. Okay. So um, so I, I I came home for to pick up something. And of course, this reporter is parked on my front doorstep. Oh, gosh. And I... You know, I, so I talked to them for a little while, but I, I said, in all honesty, they, they can't really, yeah. you know, talk to you. And so, but you ever try to get rid of a reporter, it's pretty difficult. <laughs> um, so, but eventually he, he understood and, and mm-hmm. he left and we just and went back to dinner. Okay. But, um, but the um, birth mother and our next door neighbor, this mom, w- became best friends. What? Yeah. So they, they were like. Be- wow. Absolutely, best friends. Wow, um, how cool! So, because you know, they would go back to Korea sometimes because she still had her parents were over there, our neighbors, you know, mom, yeah. you know, were there. So, um, so and they could communicate. And that's neat. So, what we did was um, just about every night we would look at movies, like videos of of you know our mutual oh, daughter from... growing up, and oh. she was you know like her arrival and yeah. all kinds of things. And, and this poor birth mom must have gone through I don't know how many handkerchiefs and oh, boxes yes. of Kleenex <laughs> and everything. You know, oh, so as a mom, I can't imagine her having to give her daughter up, but then to to come full circle and to be welcomed into oh, yeah. her daughter's new family like that. Yeah. I just think what a gift to her. Sure. So was the father there too? The father was there too, and and the um, older sister, and then he had a, they had a boy by that time. They, oh, had, they so had a younger brother. Okay. Okay. Uh, Jusup, it was his name. Like, okay. Like Joseph. Um, yeah. And um, and he was. I think six or seven okay. at oh. the time. I can't, and, I just can't even imagine the process of that. Like what they were thinking and what they were feeling, knowing that they had given her up. And then, I mean, I just, it feels overwhelming to me, all the emotions. Yeah. So I, I think our um, daughter, you know, sort of wanted to hear from them about yeah. why they gave her up. Yeah. So they, um, I was working, but I guess they, they um, had 
lunch or something. Mm-hmm. And, and so they sat down and sort of, I think through our next door neighbor and everything yeah. kind of communicated that, you know, they just couldn't, couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And wow. they, they'd actually had another girl in the interim before the boy was born. Mm-hmm. Oh my and gosh. then they did an ultrasound. It was, it was a girl. And she had a, she was forced to get an abortion. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So that's from the so husband. Sad. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. kind of forced to do that. So, so um, how does this affect your daughter? Does she have some, well, she, she sort of understood and, and, um, and they were with us for, for six weeks and they, they sort of like stayed like in the same room. They, um, you know, with the parents and everything. And there was, there was one day they, so they were into corporal punishment. So they, you know, oh, they were upset oh. or angry at them. Yeah. So they both got whacked on the butt. Your okay. daughter as well? Not my daughter. No, the other no they, okay. they aren't disciplining yeah. our daughter. Uh-huh. Um, right. So, and I, and I, I, I turned to Marina, my daughter, and I, and I kind of smiled. And I said, see, that could have been you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but it was, it was kind of neat. And then we, they came um, early December, so they they were there for Christmas. So they okay. had never wow. celebrated like Christmas like yeah. this. So, um, and then the birth mom actually brought her a, a new hambok. Oh, so cool. she got to, and then she got to like comb her hair and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and remember, she was told her like probably for the first time that she was combing her hair. She said, you know, sort of like in broken English, like "I love you." Oh okay. wow! Um, cool. So it was really cool. uh, um, very touching and and super cool. Yeah. It's a neat legacy of adoption that you have, Jeff. Just th- thank you so much for sharing that yeah. story. I think it's fascinating. It's my I think pleasure. It's so I, I cool. always have, you know, fun. To, I mean, I, I've sort of been. I think you know, if you're if you're born with a path or something in life, I think adoption is you know one of those things, obviously. And and yeah. so I've always been sort of an adoption advocate and yeah. help people. And I've you know helped people do search and reunion for adoptions and try That's to cool. change some of the laws and liberalize so people. I mean, mm-hmm. you have a right as an adoptee to know. Absolutely. Well, I think it's cool that you're passionate about that. I know Lauren, my husband, loved talking to you and you were encouraging to us when we were adopting our Mm -hmm. son and just hearing that there's other people who go through it and talk about it so openly and it's awesome. And I think one of the cool things is just the way that you've been so generous with your heart towards all the birth families, not only to bring four kids into your home, but to be generous to their families is such a, just a beautiful picture of what can happen when we're, we're just open to what there might be. And mm-hmm. I just appreciate you sharing all that. I think sure. it might give people There's always courage. more room for love, right? Yeah, you know, so. right. Absolutely. It just feels courageous, but it feels really cool. So hopefully it will encourage some other people to maybe take a step of sure. courage too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much for the yeah. invitation thank you, to talk. Jeff. Thanks. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Dr. Goldman today. Man, he is so wicked smart and oh remembers gosh. so many crazy details about his life. It's pretty awesome. It is amazing. And I I have a horrible memory. So I yeah. just the fact that he can remember such specifics about oh my gosh. so many people's stories, not just even his own, is amazing to me. It is amazing to me too. And that story of connecting with his daughter's parents from Korea, I just think, Oh, how courageous that he had them come over. If I knew that story that they had given my child up because she was a girl mm-hmm. and not a boy, I just don't know that I would have ever wanted them to have a relationship. I know. But it sounds like it was a really healing thing for their Absolutely. whole family. Absolutely. So my younger brother, Paul, I think I've mentioned before, is adopted from Alabama. And he was the kid who was always curious about where he came from. And so mm-hmm. when he got when he was old enough, he petitioned the state to get his um, birth records released. And um, he ended up finding out his story was actually really hard. His his mom was white. Okay. His dad was black. And when um, the his mom's 
father found out she was pregnant with a black kid's baby. He forced her to give my brother up for adoption. Oh, gosh. And we didn't know that piece. Um, and he found that out as an adult. And I, what I would have thought would have crushed him. Like, yeah. here you now, you know your really hard story. I, it's totally in my observation of my brother, Paul, you can correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but is that it actually just gave him a landing pad. Now he knew he didn't wonder mm. anymore. So I think sometimes mm-hmm. the mystery for adopted kids of where they came from and not knowing is harder than knowing a hard truth. Sure. Which is, sense. I actually think helped me guide me in that we have to tell Saya his real story. We yes. can't just like make stuff up or lie to him because it's important that they actually know their real story. My brother now has not a relationship with his birth mom, but an amazing relationship with his birth dad. That's so cool. And I think it solidified his relationship with my parents. He didn't, it didn't make them less. Absolutely. Um, it just gave a landing pad. My brother Paul is honestly one of the coolest guys. I think we need to have him on our podcast. Someday. I would love to. He's got a cool story, but I'd love to. It's Emily and I were just sharing that adoption so many people's lives have been touched by adoption. Mm-hmm. And the more you talk about it, the more it opens doors. And as we have been working on this podcast with Dr. Goldman. There was a gentleman in my house who mm-hmm. was surveying it for new homeowners insurance, and he overheard Emily and I talking about adoption. And lo and behold, it prompted a conversation with him about his yeah, own adoption. Cool. And it's just so amazing how stories connect us. And Emily has said this time and time again, and this is why we do this podcast, is because it just opens doors and people feel connected to each other and there's such a sense of commonality. And it's so hard to dislike people when you get to know them a little bit and open up your heart to them. So really cool. Thanks, Dr. Goldman, for your stories today. And thanks for listening, friends. We love you and appreciate you. Find us on Instagram at What's It Like with Stacey and Emily or Facebook. And uh, give us your feedback. We actually love hearing from you when you message us or when you put us on your story or retweet us. And especially if you'd leave a comment on wherever you listen to podcasts, it helps other people find us. We appreciate it a ton. Have a great day, guys. Thanks, guys.